0: morning and and uh, boy, how about that, isn't it? Um, you know, you you guys talk and I talk to a lot of people and um, there's a lot of trouble in the world, isn't there? There's a lot of trouble not just in the world, there's a lot of trouble in homes. Um, there's even trouble in, in our homes, aren't there? There's, there's all kinds of trouble uh, everywhere and there's relationship problems and misunderstanding and just difficulties and and stresses that affect us all, whether they're financial or relational or, or problems with our kids or, or, or whatever, problems in our marriage. Um, but the truth is, is that all of us, all of you um, who have come to follow the Lord Jesus Christ um, have some revelation about how to live and, um, and uh, the way that God is leading us. And so thank God for his revelation. Amen? Thank God that he's revealed to us the truth. Um, the one who's created marriage is the one who illuminates us on how to be married. Amen. And so, uh, anyway, we're going to be in, in Ephesians chapter 5. We've been talking about legacy and the legacy we're, we're leaving behind. And, and really, the first time that we talked about five weeks ago, we started talking about the environment that we're creating in our homes, that all of us, even whether you got kids, don't have kids, whether it's just you, whether it's your whole family, you are creating an environment in your home. And it may not, you know, it's, it may be for your kids, it's for people who come visit you, it's for other, you know, people who come through, it's for your grandkids, whatever. Um, but all of us are creating an environment in our home. And we talked last week. About uh, the Apostle Paul in chapter 5 of Ephesians, starts going from all these great truths about these spiritual truths about all the things that the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And then starting in verse 4, then verses, chapter, not verse 4, chapters 4, 5, and 6, he takes the first three chapters about the great and amazing things that God's done for us. He talks about the, the amazing love that the, the, we can't measure its depth and breadth and width and, and height of the love of God for us. And and he talks in the beginning about how we've been predestined um, for holiness because of God's uh, because of God's um, uh, love for us and His decision to to glorify Himself through us as He re, as He redeems our life. And so he takes those first three chapters and then he and he tells us all these great and amazing things that God has done. And he takes the last three chapters and he says, and so here then is how it should change your life. So we talked about last week, we talked about uh, the part for women where where Paul in in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, "'Wives, submit to your husbands.'" as to the lord for the husband is the wife of the, of the uh, is the is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything we talked about that we talked about that this is a the idea here is that the the wife is submitting to the leadership of the husband and we're going to talk today about uh, about the husband's role in the home the husband and father's role in the home so as we do that, you know, we talked about last week about that, that submission, and we talked about last week is that if you're going to build a legacy in your home, you two have to work together. You and your spouse, you have to work together. You can't work opposite each other. You know, the Lord Jesus um, talked about it and wasn't in the in, in aspect of marriages, and so I'm totally taking the, this verse out of context, but it's still true. A house divided against itself cannot stand. He was talking about, um, you know, some so people were accusing him of, of casting out demons in the name of Satan, and he said if that doesn't even make any sense. If Satan casts out demons against Satan, then, then Satan cannot stand. But it applies here, too, to our homes. A house divided cannot stand. You will not build the we- legacy that you want if you can't figure out how to get on the same page with your husband or, or with your wife. True. We know this to be true, right? One of the great things that I love is that um, when, you know, Brent and I are always um, reworking, trying to work um, a budget, you know, it seems like we're always going to from either um, we're living under a budget or this budget isn't working or we need to rework the budget all the time. Is, is is that just me? Maybe it's, I hope it's all of us. Yeah, just all the time, constantly. But once we kind of figure things out, once we sit down and I typically do the math, I'm a spreadsheet guy, I'm the nerd in the house, there's no doubt about it, um, that, No one's going to disagree. Really? Really? Come on. Oh, come on, David. Okay, we're moving on. So, um, you know, I do the spreadsheet and I'll work it out. And and here's the great thing. When we sit down and we do a budget together and we sit down and we make a plan together financially, man, Brenda is on board. You know, she's like, you you know, I remember one time I was telling her, you know, things were were really tight at at a time in our lives. And I told her, this is, I know what you need to do groceries. I know what you need to buy at the grocery store in dollars, but this is all you get. This is all we have. And so it was a challenge to her. Then it's like, oh, yeah, I, we can do this. Yeah, I'll figure this out. I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. But when we're pulling in the same direction, we can actually start making progress towards the direction that we want together. If you're always pulling against each other, right? If, you're, if, you're always, if there's always discord, if there's always argument about what direction you're going and, 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 and whose direction are we following, if there's always that disagreement, if there's always that, 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 um, uh, that discord in the home, you're never going to get to where you want to be, right? We know this, right? We all know this. We've, we've experienced that in our home, right? Every one of us has. It's, it's hard to have two people to agree on the same thing. It just is. That's where, that's why I believe the Apostle Paul started out to, with, submit to one another as unto the Lord, right? This is your, if, if you respect the Lord Jesus Christ, then you submit to the people around you. And I believe that he means for us to submit even in our home. Because I think what he's describing today for men is a different kind of submission than the submission he told women to submit to. I think he's re, he was referring to the, the lady submitting to the leadership or the authority of, of, of the husband. And now he's going to talk to men. And I believe he's talking about a very specific kind of submission for men toward their wives, read along with me if you have your Bibles with you. In uh, in Ephesians chapter five, we're going to start in verse twenty-five. Um, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up to her, up for her. I'm sorry. So let me just stop there for just a minute. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. L- let's just take just a moment here and let's talk about what that means. How did Christ love the church? The very first thing that He talks about is what did He do? You can talk back. Yeah, he died for the church. He gave up all of himself. He sacrificed his self, all that he had, he sacrificed for her. And, and I know that's, that's where kind of we get stuck here in reading this passage, but there are some things that I don't want you to forget about the love of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for his people. The Old Testament prophets described God's love for his people like this. He says, Your names are graven in my heart. You, uh, you, i have i've written your words on my, your names on my hands what he's talking about here is a, is a depth of love that honestly we just don't experience very often on this planet. This, this is a love that we experience that is that is unique to God and His perfection is able to love purely and unconditionally. And honestly, there is no other relationship like it on the planet. There is no other love than the love of God for His people. There is nothing like it on the planet. You know, uh, in, in the Old Testament, God's called a, a man named Hosea and He said, I want you to show the Israelites my love. And so He told him, I want you to go and I want you to... to I want you to marry a prostitute, and this prostitute's going to, at some point, she's going to leave you, and I want you, to, I want you to reaffirm your love for her. I want you to call her back, and I want you to say, although you've been with other men, I want you for your own, and he, and he calls Jose, and he says, you go, and you reclaim her despite what she's done, and you love her again, and God says, that's the kind of love I have for my people. It is a redeeming, it is a stubborn, it is an unconditional love by which he loves us. And so deep is it that he says, I've written your name on my heart. I've carved your name on my hands. I, I'm always thinking about you. I'm, I'm working for your benefit. And the love that the Lord God has for us, the love that our Savior has for us is so deep that Paul, earlier in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, I pray that you would, together with all the saints, be able to comprehend the depth and the breadth and the width and the height of the love of Christ for you. And he says, matter of fact, he says, he says I pray for the Holy Spirit's uh, strengthening and working in you that you might get it because it's so huge you can't comprehend it on your own. You're going to need the, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to, to grasp and to understand the depth of God's love for you. And Paul says, men, as Jesus loved the church, you love your wife. Listen, honestly, I'm a little undone by all that, right? I mean, I know myself. I know that, that, that my love for my wife is not adequate for that. I, you know, I can't love as purely and holy and, and unendingly like God can. I know I can't, but I'm called to, and so are you, men. He's our example. Here's, here's you know, here's Paul, and, you know, I, don't you love this? The, the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ, did this all the time. He says, here's the bar. And we'll never reach it. But, but he never says, and that's okay, so we'll lower it. No, he says, the bar's up here. It's not going away. This is what you're called to. This is what you're trying to attain is to have a love for your wife like the Lord Jesus Christ loved the church. That's what you're called to. No excuses, right? No, no uh, n- n- he doesn't lower the bar and say, yeah, but it's hard for you, so, you know, it's, we'll put it down here. No, the bar's still up here, Right? And so here's, here's the great thing, right? So just like the Lord Jesus Christ over and over again, he, he said, you think the bar's here, but the bar's here. You think you shouldn't uh, commit adultery. I'm telling you, if you've lusted, you've already. The bar's up here. The bar has to do with your motivation. The bar has to do with your thoughts even. The bar has to do with, with what's behind what you're doing. And he never lowers the bar. Jesus, matter of fact, he said one time, he said, you think I've come to, to take away the law. I haven't. I've come, right, to fulfill it. So here's the great thing is that he's always setting the bar up here. But as, as, as he's always setting the bar up, he's also deepening grace. He's also giving us strength. He's also giving us by his Holy Spirit. He's giving us greater power and ability to, to, um, to live in the way that he's called us to live. Amen? Because, listen, men, let me just tell you, I have blown it over and over and over again in loving my wife like Christ loved the church. I've blown it over and over again. But here's the deal, is that just as I know the bar is still up here, and just as I know I I never reach it, I know that I've got grace for my failures. Yeah, And and I need grace for my failures, right? Otherwise, Christ didn't need to die. I need grace for my failures, and I need strengthening so that I I can come closer to what God's called me to do. And here's the great thing. When the Lord Jesus changes my heart and is continually changing my heart and continually changing my actions toward my wife, he receives glory for that, right? He's taken now me, a broken, corrupted sinner, so, so selfish and so, um, so, so corrupted and twisted my sin that I couldn't love my wife remotely close to how he calls me to. But then one day I make a decision because the way that Jesus Christ has loved me, one day I make a decision that I'm going to do something for my wife with no expectations, no strings attached. That's a miraculous thing, isn't it? That, that's, a, that's an incredible work of God in the life of, of a man, isn't it? To take and to say, you know what? No strings attached. I want to I wanna do this for you. I want to I wanna buy this for you. I want to I wanna serve you in this way. I want to do this for you. And there's no strings attached. I, I don't expect anything out of this. I'm not, uh, you know, I just, just purely, I just want to do this out of love for you. Yeah, when that happens in the life of a man, it's a miracle, right, ladies? Yeah, it is, it, is, it is a miracle. Um, so, so there you go, gentlemen. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And I know a lot of times we get to this passage and we think immediately of, of the sacrifice because that's what Paul talks about next. But I don't want you to forget that love that, or that sacrifice was not just a, a martyrdom. Jesus Christ didn't just come and say, well, I want to martyr myself for these people. No, he was driven by obedience to his father and a deep, deep love. See, his, his sacrifice had a purpose. It wasn't just for the sake of sacrifice. It was for the sake of love. Amen? Right, men, so when you sacrifice, when, when, when God calls us to sacrifice our wives, he's calling us to love them practically, right? He's trying to, he's telling us to love them in a demonstrated way, right? A way that they can see, a, lay, a way that they can feel, uh, just like the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. In practice, he loved us by sacrificing himself. So husbands, love your wives just as... we got to go on. We hadn't got through the first verse. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here's what I think. Here, here's, what I, here's what I think. Here's my interpretation. I know, I can't get to verse two. I know. Yeah, uh, so here's what I, here's what I see. Here, when I picture this, that what God's calling wives to do and what he's calling husbands to do, he's saying, wives, submit to your husbands... Authority. Submit to his leadership. And I think what he's saying to husbands is submit to your wife's needs. Put her needs First, put her needs over yours, and so you have in the picture here. And what he's describing here is just a beautiful picture, isn't it? Of this, of this one constantly putting the other um, in the other one's place to say, "No, no, you're a priority. No, you're the priority." And it's very much like the the Trinity is what the picture is here, right? It's it's a picture of God. It's a picture of God speaking to the Son, saying, "I will exalt you." And the Son saying to the Father, "No, I will glorify you." And the Holy Spirit saying, "No, I will be the testimony. I will." I I will testify through your people, and I will bring glory and honor, and I will I will exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's this constantly lifting up of the other person within the Holy Trinity. There's no no confusion about which one's more important. They're all important. There's no confusion about the significance of each of the members. There's just this constant upbuilding and uplifting and glorification of the other members. Very similar to how it's supposed to be in the home. Yeah your home, your relationship with your husband and your, your wife is supposed to be a reflection of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church and the Trinity. How about that? Pretty profound. Because you and I are images, broken, torn, shattered, yes, but images of our God and our Father and of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? So there's this constant lifting up of the other person, right? Unlike, you guys know and I know people who are constantly tearing down the other person constantly saying, you, you know, your opinion doesn't matter. Oh, you're, you're just, you know, the way you think is just silly. You know, you're just being, you're just being stupid. And, 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 and instead of creating an environment where there's this uplifting and a, and, and, a, and, a, uh, and a submitting to the other, it's a tearing down and it's a clawing the way to the top and say, no, I'm on top. I'm, I'm the one who's supposed to be in charge. I'm the one who wants to be in control. That's that's the exact opposite. That's a sinful way. That's the exact opposite of what God wants in our homes where he says, I want you to serve each other, to love each other purely to lift each other up. Okay, let's continue. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Listen listen to the intent. God loved us and he gave himself up for us and it was for a purpose. He said to make her, the church, holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, that's perplexing to me. I don't know about you, but in this same way. So, in other words, the way that a man loves a woman ought to have a, a refining work on his wife, right? A refining work on his life, on his wife. And let me pause there for just a second. We need to we need to talk about this in a minute. There's a couple of ways to serve your wife, man, and you know it, and and so do I. You can serve your wife in a way to try to butter her up, or in a way to build her up, and it all comes down to your motivation, right? You know this, don't you? And so do I. There are times, right? There are times all of us are trying to butter up our wives, right? We're we're doing it. So we're doing something for them in anticipation that they're going to do something for us, right? Right? Is that the goal here? No, listen, the goal here is a building up, not a buttering up. The goal here, see, when it's about buttering up, it's about, well, what do I get out of this, right? That's when I make my marriage like a contract. I'm going to do these things for you, and these are the things you're going to do for me, and it's a 50-50 deal, and and as long as you do these things for me, I'm going to do these things for you. How long does that work out in a marriage? A minute and a half. Right? Yeah, it doesn't last long. Maybe, maybe through the honeymoon period. But at some point, you kind of come to the decision that, you know what? Maybe this isn't a contract. Maybe this is more of a relationship, right? Built on and based on love. Now, and so ultimately, what it comes down to is, is this is not a 50 50 deal. This is a 100% and a 100% deal. I'm 100% responsible for the way that I treat my wife before the Lord let me say that one more time, gentlemen. I am 100% responsible for the way that I treat my wife before the Lord. Now, right? So you and I've had times like this, right? Well, I didn't do this for my wife because she didn't do that for me, right? Is that what this describes? When your wife deserves it, do these things for her. Is that what this says? No. Otherwise, white men, our wives would have moved out years ago, Right? Here's, here's the great thing. Here's what, it, here's what the expectation is, is that you love your wife. And what's it say? As Christ loved the church. And he is your example. He is your motivation. He is the one that you're doing it for. He, it is not your wife. You are loving her and sacrificing for her because the Lord Jesus Christ loved and sacrificed for you. So your relationship with your wife has a lot to do with your relationship with your heavenly father. Matter of fact, the, the Peter, he said, he said, men, be careful with the way you treat your wives. This is a really bad paraphrase. Said, be careful with the way you're, you, you treat your wives uh, because the way that you treat your wives, you may, you may uh, hinder your prayers. The way that you treat your wife may hinder your prayers to heaven. In other words, God says, you don't treat your woman right, I'm not hearing you. I'm not listening to you. Because the way that you treat your wife has more to do with God and you than it does you and her. You are responsible for God for the way that you treat your wife. Yeah? All right. Uh. Let's, let's continue. So, um, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. This part kind of cracks me up. He who, loves himself, he, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. I, I don't know, that got kind of, I don't, in my mind, like a man caring for his own body. I don't know. There's something funny about that to me. I, I don't know if I can explain it, but I don't know. It, let's, let's, we don't have time for that joke. Let's just, keep, let's just continue. Um, uh but anyway what he 's saying for what he's saying here is what i mean you fool don't you know don't mistreat your wife it 's like mistreating yourself right right we all we have to live together right so so and she is one with you that's what that's what uh that's what jesus said that 's what said in the beginning in genesis right was when they were married is that there was a that there was a uniting of the two and the two had become what one flesh that 's right okay so he says, yeah, the way, that you, the way that you ought to treat your wife ought to be the way that you treat your own body. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, and here he's going to quote it, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right. So that's what, that, gentlemen, that's what we're called to is, is to love our wives and to treat her well. And, and, and here again, the goal, is, the goal here is not just to treat her well for the sake of getting something out of it, right? The goal here is that you, we want to build her up. We want what, to, what, what you want, men, what we're trying to do, and, and what he's talking about here about, the, about the, the washing of the water and the cleansing and all those things is, what he's saying here is, men, you need to create an environment where your lovely, beautiful bride can blossom to be all that God has for her to be. I I can't think of a better way to put it than that. You, you, You are creating an environment with your words. You're creating an environment with your service. You're creating an environment with your leadership that you want to create in a way that your wife can blossom to be the beautiful creature that God's created her to be. Watch your words. Be mindful of your leadership in your home. You have the responsibility and the authority in your home. You've been given it. It's been placed on your broad shoulders. Now act and serve in a way to build your wife up. That's God's expectation of you. Let me, um, let's do this. So let's talk about leadership for just a little bit. One of the things, here, I I like this. This is um, John Piper. He's an author and pastor at Bethlehem Bible Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He wrote this. He said, headship, or or that that role of authority or that role of leadership in the home, is God's calling on a husband for Christ-like servant leadership, protection, and provision. Right? So he talks about three things, protection, provision, and, and servant leadership. I think we, cannot, we don't have time for protection and provision, but we do have time for servant leadership. Here's what I'd like to say about this. In the Scriptures, the one who is called to lead is called to be the first, the chief servant, right? right? The apostle, or, or the Lord Jesus Christ on the night before, that he was crucified, the night before he was crucified, he got down on his hands and knees before his disciples, and I almost made me ready to do this today, but I, but I didn't. She has a real pretty pedicure, though. It's like a blue snowflake thing, right? would have been nice to show off. But anyway, um, uh, so he gets down on his hands and knees, and he washes their feet. And he says, do you understand what I've done for you? I've set an example for you. I've demonstrated to you what a leader is. A leader is the chief foot washer. And, and matter of fact, he would say in another place, he, he, would, say, um, he would say, the greatest among you, Will be your servant. See, in the kingdom of heaven, the great one is the servant. In the kingdom of heaven, it's the one who's who's willing to get down on his hands and knees and get his feet and get his hands dirty, doing the work of sacrifice, doing the work of servanthood, doing the work of meeting the needs of other people. And this goes well beyond the home, of course. But but here, what we're talking about today is the man who is willing to get down on his hands and knees and to wash the feet of his wife. Sometimes that's at the kitchen sink, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes that's in the laundry room, isn't it? Sometimes it's, it's talking through and, 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 and working through the problems that you're having with your kids and trying to work together to be the leader in the home to figure out how you're going to go about disciplining your difficult child. Sometimes it's sitting down and say, we have all kinds of financial things. Things are here and there and everywhere. And, and that's the leader who's willing to get down on, on his hands and knees and get his hands dirty and say, let's sit down together and let's figure this out. That's a servant leader. See, the Lord Jesus Christ said in another place, he said, he said, the Gentiles love to lord their authority over other people, right? He says the Gentiles, meaning the unbelievers, people who have no belief in God, love to tell people to have kind of a command and control, you do this and you do that. And the and Lord Jesus Christ says, that's not leadership. Leadership is a willingness to sit down and say, I'll do this. I, I, I'll lead, I'll serve I'll figure out how we're going to do this together. Now, let me, um, I want to end in um, with this. In God's, let's say this, in God's hierarchy, leaders serve. The leaders are the great ones in God's kingdom. Here's what I, here's how I want to, uh, I w- I'd like to finish this. I want to just give you some examples of kind of the difficulties that I've had in trying to be the leader in my home. And it's a constant challenge. I, mean, I, I if there's someone who's got there and who gets it and gets it right every time, I would like to know you because I, I need to sit under your tutelage, yeah. Um, but, but here's the deal, and, and this is where, um, this is where, uh, yeah, so just, let me just tell you. So, Brent and I had been married for about um, 14 years, I want to say. And um, for that period of time, for about 14 years, we've been married. It's almost, it'll be 22 this summer. Is that right? Hey, all right. Uh, so for the, for the first 14 years of marriage, listen, we did a lot of things backwards. You know, we didn't finish our, we didn't finish college. We weren't started in any sort of career before we started having children. And, and let me just tell you, young folk, if, uh, man, if that's where you're at, man, my, my dad told me, matter of fact, he, he said uh, when, when Brent and I were talking about getting married so very young, he said, you're going to have a young, uh, a long row to hoe. And of course, I was smarter than that right and so i knew it's, uh, you know we love each other and that's just going to be enough man have we had a long road to hoe together is that right baby it's been a long road yes it's been very difficult so we had you know you you stack lack of money lack of income coming in with all the pressures of of uh, children and all the financial pressures they bring all the attention pressures that they bring uh, all the time that they take away you know from, from from the marriage which is fine great really good for us um but you start piling all those stresses up, and it started, it started kicking our tails. Yeah. So after, for about 14 years, I would get so anxious about money. I was unable, or unwilling really is what it comes down to. I, I would get so nervous and so anxious about handling our money that I kept, I, you know, Brenda would do it, and, and uh, I love my wife, but she's not the nerd. I, I'm the nerd. I needed to be taken apart. So for 14 years, we struggled with our finances because I wouldn't lead. Uh, I don't say this because I'm proud of it. I wouldn't lead. Also, when, when our children were young, when Becca was young and she was having all kinds of problems, you guys have heard this before, but when she was very young, I, I, it would, you know, we would need to stretch her to keep her from going into contracture where basically where her, where her bones would grow but her, but her muscles wouldn't grow. And so they call that contracture when, whenever your muscles are too short for the lengths of your bones, right? And that's, this is bad. Um, contracture is a bad thing. And so we would go to physical therapists, and our physical therapists would come and stretch Rebecca, and uh, then they would leave us with homework. Physical therapists, my sister's one, they love giving people homework, especially painful homework. But anyway, I don't know what it is about them. They're kind of sadistic. But um, but they would leave us with homework. I was so anxious. I could look out, I could see Rebecca's future, and I could and, and wonder so much about what it would bring, and I could see the way that, that maybe people would treat her. And I was so... Um, I was. It became. I became so anxious and so upset by it that I wasn't helping her. I I wasn't unable or unwilling to help and st- to help to stretch her. Right. And so ultimately, finally, the Lord, after a couple of years, He spoke to me very clearly and said, "Your weakness should not affect your daughter." <laughs> I was undone. Uh, you know, talk about. You know, you see some of the, the revelations of God in the in the Old Testament where they fall on their faces before the Lord. That's how, that's how I felt. I was absolutely undone. It's like, Lord, you're right. How could I let my weakness affect my daughter? I can't do it. I need your strength. You've got to help me with this. And I was able to actually start to take the lead in, in trying to help her. Um, but listen, still today, uh, men, we have trouble with leadership, right? Still today, st- still today. And, and so let me, let me just say this. Let me, let me end with this. There are things in your life, things in your home, Right, that we don't know, you and I don't know how to handle. We got some of those right now. Listen, we're trying to figure out how to get Rebecca um, somehow wherever she's going to live into college and class. We don't know how to do that. Matter of fact, we've been kind of asking around for some help from, from some people uh, at, at the college and some other places. They don't know how to do that. And so, man, we're just scrambling. So, so let me ask you, if you're in my shoes and you've never ta- tried to take a child and try to get them, you know, uh, at, at a place where they could be on their own and more independent of college, what do you do? Tell me, tell me what's the biblical counsel? What's the Bible say that, that we should be doing, that, we, that, I, that I need to be doing? What's it say? See counsel? What else? Yeah, thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, it's the spiritual uh, answer, isn't it? But yeah, it's to seek the wisdom of the Lord. Lord, reveal to us, show us how are we going to do this. Put things, just drop things in our lap, Lord. You know that, that only you can do to help us figure this thing, thing out. Listen, man, we have this problem all the time. Our egos are such that we don't like to tread in areas that we're not comfortable in. True. Right, just like those of you who have uh, those of you who have uh, who have teenage daughters and they get emotional, or your wife gets emotional during certain periods and certain times. Right? We don't want to tread there, do we? we just it's like uh, just back away. I'm, I'm totally uncomfortable here. There's some, it's like it's like the it's like the landscape of Mars, and I know nothing about it. I'm just going to back off, and I'm just going to now listen. We're really bad at trying to deal with things that we don't know how to deal with, or we don't think we've got the knowledge for how to deal with. But what you just said is the exact truth. As a leader in your home, you've got to seek counsel and pray. Pray with your wife. And, and listen, I, I, you know, if I had Brenda up here and washing her feet this morning, this is one of the things I'd say, I've done a lousy job at that. I've, I've done a lousy job at, at being that kind of leader in our home, and I want to do better. You know, um, pastoring a church is difficult because uh, you're the first person that hears all the sermons. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's got to go through me first, and it's tough. It's difficult, uh, but uh, but but just as surely as I know is as as, as as just as surely as I know I'm, I'm never going to be there. But that's not an excuse. I've always got to be seeking the Lord. I've got always got to have. I want to have a desire to follow Him and to and to be for my family what God has called me to be. Amen. Men, would you do me a favor? If you're the lead, if you're if you're a husband, if you're a father, if you're a grandfather, would you come? Come forward here, just just gather right here in the in front of the stage for me for just a moment. This is how we'll dismiss. I promise we'll be done here. One of the things that I, I find uh really encouraging is that you have um you have in the Old Testament, you have, uh, you have David who is all the time saying, Lord, I'm, Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I, I need you. Lord, I, I need your strength. I need you to be my refuge. I need you to be my rock. I need you to be here for me. And one of the things that he found with the Lord is he, he says all the time, and yet your right hand upholds me. He says, "'Your right hand strengthens me.'" And so, man, I want to pray over you this morning this psalm from from David. Would you all bow your heads and and, uh, let's just focus on what what David wrote here in Psalm Psalm, uh, chapter 18. "'As for God, his way is perfect. "'The word of the Lord is flawless. "'He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. "'For who is God besides the Lord? "'And who is the rock except our God? "'It is God who arms me with strength.'" He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory, and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. Lord God, I pray that all of us would find ourselves just in that place where we know that we're dependent upon you, where we know that we're at that place where we need your strength. We need you to be what the, what the psalmist said there. We need you to be our shield. We need you to be our, our fortress. We need you to be our rock. And, Lord God, we need you to strengthen us by your mighty power, by your mighty right hand. So, Lord, I pray for these men who have come this morning. I pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen them. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them a shield, that you would make them give them a shelter when they need it. I pray, Lord God, that they would, uh, that they would stand strong in their families, that they would be the, the servant leaders that you've called them to be. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them success as they take a stand in their homes, to be your representative, to be the representative of the Lord Jesus Christ in their homes. I pray that you'd give them victory, Lord God, over the, over the, um, the troubles that they have in their homes, and we all have them, Lord God. Strengthen us, I pray. It's in Jesus' great name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for for being here today.